So nevertheless, my point of, of sharing this, this, this little event that happened with Jesus, it, it, it tells us something. It tells us that God is a God of percentages. Hmm? I mean, otherwise, he wouldn't say that uh, a penny was more than uh, the obvious large offering that these rich people were making. You see that? So I just wanted to, to tell you that and, 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 and show you how it affected Jesus. He saw that. And he realized, you know, that's, that takes faith. You know, sometimes, you know, people will use credit cards and things like that to get, that's, that's stupid, frankly. It's, you know, <laughs> that's, you're, you're not giving out of your increase. You're giving, you're going into debt to give, and that's, that's foolishness. So don't do that. But I'm just saying, giving is part of, you know, that's, a, it's a very basic principle Jesus said, if you don't understand this, this parable of the, the sower, the law of sowing and reaping, you won't understand anything about the kingdom because everything in the kingdom is in, in seed form. So I want you to just meditate on it, think about it, and remember, it's one of the places in the, in the Bible where God says, test me in this. So pray about it, talk to him about it. Because God loves a cheerful giver. The reason I leave the basket out there, and I very seldom even preach the offering, I just started doing it recently because the Lord dealt with me about making sure that you were taught. But it's important that you understand, and uh, that's how God gets funds to his people. And you need it because it takes a lot of money to do the things that God wants you to do for the kingdom. And then as you're being a blessing, you're always going to be blessed. Amen? Amen. All right, Randy, go ahead and take up the offering. I belabored that. And I was distracted a little bit because I'm still trying to figure out what's going on with the, the IT department here. Yeah. Father, we just thank you for all the gifts given into the kingdom through Grace and Truth Church. All those who gave, we just bless them, Lord. All those who wanted to give and couldn't, Lord, we just pray that you begin to speak to them and to bless them in a way that is tangible so that they'll know it's you, speak to their hearts. Help them have revelation of your, your spiritual laws so that they can benefit from them, which is your will and your intent, Lord. Thank you for blessing these gifts and all the gifts that come in online and in other methods. Um, bless them into the kingdom of God to do your work, multiply them and multiply hundredfold, thousandfold seed back to the sower in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tell you a joke. Hey. His two brothers who loved baseball wondered whether they could play the sport when they went to heaven. So they swore that whoever went to heaven first would find some way to let the living brother know. The oldest brother passed away a week later. 
And on the night he was buried, he reappeared at the foot of his brother's bed. Is there baseball in heaven, asked the younger brother. Well, I've got good news and I've got bad news, the older brother said. The good news is that there is baseball in heaven. The bad news, and the, and the brother said, great. He said, what's the bad news? He said, the bad news is you're pitching Sunday. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you. Laughter does good like medicine. Thank you for your precious word today. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you, Lord, that uh, everyone who hears this message will receive your precious seed of your word into good ground. They will nurture it, protect it, let it take root and bear fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last week, up here on the screen, I had, can I get a witness? And I ministered on that, having said that I wanted to put it up there the week before, but I had to lay some groundwork. And so we had to determine who Jesus was to us personally in other words it's important to make sure that we're worshiping the real Jesus not one of our imagination which is very common not only in the world but in the body of Christ if it's not the Jesus of the Bible it's not Jesus it's not Jesus the Christ <laughs> And so we had to talk about that some. Who is Jesus to you? Because that answer has everything to do with how you see yourself in Christ. Your identity, your authority, the love of God for you, towards you, all the benefits and responsibilities that go along with your salvation. Amen. Amen. Or oh me. <laughs> so, and we got finally to the point last week that once we determine who, who Jesus is to you and who you are in him and setting a firm foundation on those things and trying to avoid all the Trojan horses, those things that are supposedly been good that have been snuck into the church and accepted as a good thing tricks of the devil being mindful to watch out for those then we got to the, the place at the end where we wanted to talk about our witness why we don't live a sinful life right and so that was good it was powerful and then the Lord told me now because it tells you Here's, here's why you don't sin. One, two, three. Remember? Don't shake your head if you don't. <laughs> I don't want you to bear a false witness right in front of the Lord. But now he wants me to go on and talk about the witness. Because that was the third step. First thing was... It's just <clears throat> because he loves us, he doesn't want us to sin, right? He doesn't want us opening doors for the devil into our lives, which is what it does. So he loves us. That's why he doesn't want us to sin, not because he doesn't want us to have fun. The second thing was it's just simply not who we are anymore. 
So when we were a sinner trying to act good, we were hypocrites. But now that we're saved, when we try to act bad, we're hypocrites. <laughs> That's right. And the last thing was our witness, and that was a big one because it's all about Jesus. He loves you more than what you can do for him, but he really, really, really has a strong desire for you to not only embrace your salvation and know who you are in him, but to, he wants you to mature, to grow up in him so that he can use you to help others to be healed everywhere they heard, empowered through his promises, loved with the love of God and prospered in every way. So he needs you to be helped so you can use that, give that same help to others so he can come back for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now he told me, go tell him all that stuff you told him to do. They can't do that in and of themselves. You can't do it after the flesh. Not even supposed to be trying to do it in and of yourself. So I want to talk to you a little bit about living by the Spirit of God. Amen. So Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 through 26. Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 through 26. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, raise your hand, that's you. Hallelujah. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. How is that possible? Does that mean that in your own strength and in your own... Yes, brother. Oh, praise God. In your own strength and your own effort, you have gone up on the cross. And you see them doing that down in Mexico. Religion makes you do dumb things, Actually hang on the cross, crawl through glass, <laughs> on their knees. Oh, man. Things that are done in the name of religion. It's sad. I don't mean, it's not funny. It's sad. But, no. When you're born again, your spirit is born again. Right? So, when... The spirit of Satan, which we're all born with, is evicted. And you didn't do that. That came all the way from the seed of Adam in the garden when he, when he fell. And that seed was corrupted. That's where you got that sin nature. It was kicked out. You don't have a dual nature when you accepted Christ. And now his spirit has moved in. And your spirit is perfected, renewed, perfected, and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit forever. Amen. So now you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And you were with him in, in this seed form on the cross. So you were crucified with Christ. So... 
Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, Holy Spirit, capital S, let us walk in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking, and envying one another, etc., etc. Romans 8, 4 says, so that the righteous standard of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Hallelujah. So, in order to kind of bring this home, we need to go back a little ways to the Old Covenant. I want to show you something here in type and shadow, which is all the Old Covenant is. It's all type and shadow of Christ Jesus. Thank God we have the New Covenant, the New Testament, everything that was concealed in type and shadow. Because how many of you know when a shadow is approaching you from around the corner, you can tell some things about it. <laughs> but the person, if they're holding a gun, if they got a stick, yeah, you know, you might be able to determine some things from a shadow, but it's a much better when they come around the corner and there they are. Huh? Yeah, you really know what you're dealing with. Friend or foe. Hey. So that's that's what it is. That's like the difference in the old covenant and the new covenant. Praise God. So I want you to go back. This is about this is when Moses struck the rock in the wilderness and brought water out for the the Israelites to drink. Chapter 5 of the real Jesus. No. <laughs> yeah, I read my book. <laughs> Let's look in this book today. Exodus chapter 17, <clears throat> verses 4 through 7. This is right after they came out of bondage in Egypt. And they didn't have any water to drink and they started doubting that God was with them and for them like they did so often Exodus chapter 17 verse 4 through 7 they turned on Moses they were talking about stoning him <laughs> After he's come, God used him to bring the ten plagues on Egypt, and they saw him part the Red Sea and made the waters of Meribah sweet. Still, complained every chance they got. Here we are, Exodus chapter 17, verse 4 through 7. So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. Verse 5, And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand, be careful to listen to this, take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the 
quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? So here, right after their entry into the desert at Meribah, he struck the rock on the instruction of the Lord and water came forth and everyone drank. Now, if you'll look at Numbers 20, that's uh, Numbers chapter 20, verses uh, probably 11 and 12, I think. That's the fourth book of the Bible, right before Deuteronomy. Um, Numbers chapter 20. Fast forward 37 years, okay? Remember they're in the wilderness for 40 years. And they're preparing to enter into the promised land, manner of speaking. And in Numbers chapter 20, Moses had had a, a time with, uh, with these people, <laughs> to say the least. They grumbled, they complained, they were always looking back to Egypt, which type and shadow again. When we talk about Egypt as our born-again Christian, we're talking about the, the world, our old life of sin, you know. They're always looking, oh, it was better back in Egypt. They were in bondage there, you know. They're having to pick brick, bricks without straw. Oh, but they had figs and dates, and they see they remembered the good things, but they, they they didn't remember all the wonderful things God had done for them. So they're always complaining, grumbling, and for that reason, when they first got into the wilderness, remember God sent scouts out to scout out the promised land, and uh, ten of them came back with a negative report. There's giants in the land. They see us as grasshoppers, and so that's how we see ourselves too. God got so mad. Only Joshua and Caleb had a positive report. He said, yeah, the giants are big, but so are the grapes, and God is with us. And so everyone in that generation, God said, you're going you're gonna to die out here in the wilderness, all except for Joshua and Caleb. They'll be able to go in with this new generation that's born while y'all are out here. Everybody else is going to die off out here, and then I'll take you in because of your negativity. So here they are, about, about there. And they're back at the same place again. And Moses' sister had just died. The people are grumbling. I used to try to make a case for, for Moses to God. I'm like, this didn't seem fair. Not wise, but it's okay if you're really seeking the truth. Amen. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. So in Numbers chapter 20, um, uh, let's see. Let's look at the sixth verse and just start there. Uh, and then, and then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. Again, it's because there was no water to drink and the people were complaining and all that sort of stuff again. Same situation 37 years later. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the staff. Remember what happened in Exodus, right? 
Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock or speak to the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. Even more provision. And Moses took the staff from the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron Garen gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, now, now listen, what did God just say to him? Speak to the rock and it'll bring forth water. So he gets, gets in front of everybody and he says, here now, you rebels. <laughs> Shall we, Aaron and I, bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. Whack, whack. Three strikes for Moses. And water came out abundantly. God still blessed them. And the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord and through them he showed himself holy. Wow. So I read that and I when I, you know, many years ago, one of the first things and I said, Lord, that's that's troubling to me. That seems tough. Moses, he served you so faithfully. I know you loved him because you carried him up on the mountain. You buried him yourself. But he didn't let the he didn't let him go into the promised land. Now. Matter of fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 3, next book over, Moses asked him again, please, let me, let me go. Let me go in. And you know what he told him? No, and don't even ask me again. And you know, but the answer that God gave Moses, the reason why is fine. God's justified. He didn't do it. He didn't show him holy. That's fine. But I want to show you a type of shadow here that I think you'll find uh, is beautiful. It affected Moses, but you know, Moses is with God, of course. He didn't keep him out of heaven. Moses was there on the mountaintop, and he appeared with Elijah to Jesus, and Peter, James, and John. Nevertheless, what does Moses represent in the Bible? The law. Mm -hmm. Moses represents the law. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. It says, And all drank the same spiritual drink. Talking about those, those who... Uh, who were 
disobedient in the wilderness. But he said, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Now, Jesus didn't make himself into a literal, literal rock, but it's all the type and shadow. Jesus is our rock, the rock of our salvation. Amen. The rock is a picture, a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. The water that came from the rock is a picture and type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. This is what I'm trying to get to. The first time that he had him strike the rock in type and shadow again was a sign of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. He would be struck down. That's why in Exodus he hit it once. The second time God wanted Moses to demonstrate God's love and compassion based upon what had already been accomplished through striking the rock the first time. Hello. In other words, now, because that rock has been struck down, now just repent, just speak, just ask, and it will be given to you. Praise God. So when Moses struck it again, basically, in God's mind, he had, you know, Moses didn't know. But God was trying to set a record here for us. And, and what, what Moses was doing by being disobedient was, was basically saying Christ could be crucified again to get the water out. That will never happen, folks. Amen. Hebrews chapter 7, way back in the back of the Bible. Or Peter, I think. The New Testament. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 26 through 28. Talks about the fact that we now have a superior priesthood to, to what they had under the law for 1,500 years. Before the New Covenant. Before the New Testament. In verse 26, he starts out, says, Such a high priest truly befits us. Talking about Jesus. The one who is holy, innocent, undefiled, set apart from sinners and exalted above the heavens. Talking about his preeminence. Verse 27. Unlike the other high priests from the old covenant, he does not need to offer daily sacrifices. First, for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for sin once. For all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak. But the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, capital S, the Son of God, who has been made perfect forever. And with him you have been perfected forever Amen. in his sight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
Romans 3.20 says, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. We're not even supposed to be sin conscious as New Testament believers. God doesn't want you walking around feeling condemned and guilty. If you do, run to him, not from him. Let him deal with it. Let him apply the blood. Let him show you. You're forgiven. I forgave you before you ever committed a sin. I love you. The Lord, I know, but I dropped the ball right there. I know. It's okay. Let's go. That's how cool he is. And that's how wise you are to run to him instead of from him when, you, when you're in trouble. Our salvation involves the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. John 6.44 in the New Living Translation, because I just liked that one yesterday. For no one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. This is about it. This is how our salvation works. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. So the Father draws you to Jesus, and you're saved through him. Amen? Amen. Matthew 3.11 says, this is John the baptizer, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. He, he said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me, speaking of Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So, God draws you to Jesus. Jesus saves you. You baptize into Jesus. Then Jesus baptizes you with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So that's, that's our salvation. Father, to the Son, to the Holy Ghost. All three persons of the Trinity. That's God. Amen. Not plural. That's God. Yes. In three persons. Yes. Anyone says that we have, Christians have three gods? Say, no, we don't. We have one. And three persons. <laughs> Just like you're a three-part being. Spirit, soul, and body. Luke 11.13 says, If you then, if you, if you then who are evil, <laughs> this is Jesus speaking, so, know, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So he's talking about you, you natural parents, you like to give good, good gifts, presents to, you, to your kids. You, you think God isn't greater than that and wants to bless his children more? And so instead of gifts, though, he says the Holy Spirit. But in Matthew, in the account in Matthew, chapter 7, verse 11, he interchanges the Holy Spirit there with good gifts. So he's referring to the Holy Spirit as the best gifts. In other words, the Holy Spirit is in charge of all that. And a bag of chips. 
All this to get to, to this. So the last night of Jesus' earthly ministry, if you haven't read the Gospel of John, starting in the 14th chapter, it's just a wonderful place to just be. But in, in the 14th, 15th, 16th chapters of the Gospel of John, Jesus talks a lot about the Holy Spirit. In John 14, verse 16, I'm almost hesitant to turn over there. I can just tell you by memory, but you know how I do. Uh, yeah, yeah. John, yeah, yeah, let's go. John 14, verse 16. Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, he's talking about when he goes, goes up to heaven, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, capital H, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now skip down to the 26th verse of chapter 14, Gospel of John. And he says again, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you some things. Oh, did I miss that? What did he say? All things. He will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance some of the things that Jesus has said. Oh, I missed it again. All things. So he's going to teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Glory to God. So he's referred to here as the helper, also translated as the comforter. And it says, he will teach you all things. Now, in chapter 15, he, I'm going to just skip over 15. He, he talks about the Holy Spirit some more. And then you get to chapter 16 and, and look at the 13th verse. Chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes. So now he's referred to as the spirit of truth. He will guide you. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Wow. Look at that. He will declare to you things to come. And then remember the third stage of your witness. It's all about Jesus. Look at this. He will glorify me, Jesus says. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what I, is mine and declare it to you. Oh, folks. This should be getting you very excited. 
See? It says he'll guide you into all truth and he'll show you things to come. And you know, he'll guide you and not just into all truth. He'll guide you in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I got a whole chapter in the Old Covenant. Maybe we'll continue on with this and I'll I'll minister that and I'll show you. There's a there's a chapter in this Bible that is a self-portrait of the author. The Holy Spirit wrote this book. It was written down by men as he gave them utterance. Another time. Got you intrigued though, huh? He's very humble and he's awesome. See, he's the one that we're supposed to be depending on, relying upon, seeking for our answers in our day-to-day -day life. We're not supposed to go to New Testament prophets um, for guidance or for every detail of our lives. Some people think that if they can't get a word from one of the gifts in the body, then they, they just can't hear from God. Well, that's nonsense. That's how it was in the old covenant. You have a better covenant with better prom promises. Amen. It's not like in the old covenant. Now, you can, you can still receive counseling, and some of you do. Others of you should, and you hide your problems. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I'm never going to judge you. If you tell me anything, I've probably done worse. I wasn't always saved. <clears throat> but now he's got a good hold on me. You can receive counseling. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as it's in accordance with the word. That's important these days. Since there are large portions of the body of Christ that just <laughs> take out any part that they don't agree with. That's dangerous, folks. Yeah. Lots of times ministers just tell you what they, what they think. Well, who cares what they think? <laughs> I mean, if it doesn't line up with what God says. The New Testament prophet now is a very real part, a very, very real office in the fivefold ministry. That these were the gifts that Jesus gave to the church when he ascended. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and they're all very real. But so I'm not trying to minimize that. <clears throat> and a prophet can matter of fact, we 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 you've been exposed to 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 one who walks in in that office they can they can tell you they can confirm things for you you know that's a good thing they can prophesy the promises of God to build you up to edify you they can direct you and your calling that's what a lot of prophets do they'll draw out that ministry gift in you and help you and guide you and direct you in that calling, remind you of it. 
maybe even show you some things uh, about yourself, positive or negative uh, in some cases, to, to uh, just to help you, you know, to help you to grow and to get back on track, not to harm you, but to, to help you to be free. All, all that all that sort of thing that's good but it should come first from your inner witness that's the Holy Ghost in you mm -hmm. huh the Holy Spirit in you he is the, the in the Greek he's referred to as a paraclete not to be confused with parakeet <laughs> but the paraclete and this is a good word because this is this is someone who has come here for our benefit so it's good to know because tell me if these things sound good would you like to have a perfect because God is perfect would you like to have a perfect comforter for your life? Helper? Counselor? Advocate? Intercessor? A standby? A strengthener? Those are all words, similes for paraclete. So if it's his name, it's what he does. And you need to know that. Why in the world would someone like that be excluded from the midst of so many Christian settings? Because the enemy is alive. That's why. And Christians many times just don't want to seem to allow the Bible to get in the way of what they want to believe. If they did, it would put an end to about 99% of all the counseling that we have in church. Because they would, they would befriend. Believers need to get acquainted with their God. The Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I'm making a pretty good case for that. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Romans 8, 14. I want to tell you, just go back, because I, I just want to make sure you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater regarding prophets and prophecies, because they're a good thing. I'm not against those. I'm just telling you that you have God living on the inside of you, and he came to counsel you and guide you and to teach you and instruct you. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But Andrew Womack was in, in, in Ireland one time at a conference over there and, and there was a, a prophet that didn't, didn't know anything about him and came up and prophesied about him, about, two, about his two sons and that one would enter into the ministry before the other and about grandchildren or something like that, okay? That's all. That's all he told him. Well, years later, one of Andrew's sons died, 
They got a call in the middle of the night that, their, that his son had died. And they had to drive all the way to Colorado Springs from way up high in the mountain where they, they lived. And it took them, uh, I don't know, an hour, two hours, something like that to get there. Now, all the same emotions that would come over you tried to come on them. But they, they resisted it. They said, we're not, the first report will not be the last. And they just fought off those negative emotions and they began to drive the long drive down to where their son was in the morgue, covered up in the cooler with the toe tag on. Along that trip, Andrew remembered this prophecy that had been spoken over him in Ireland about his sons and how they would be grown and how one would enter the ministry before the other one and the grandchildren. He says, wait a minute. He tells Jamie, this hasn't happened yet. The devil is a liar. The first report shall not be the last. He, he will live. And they just began to praise God. Now, can you imagine having been told your son's dead in the morgue? To begin praising God. That's faith, folks. And that prophecy very well may have saved that boy's life. Because when he got there, he had been dead for five hours, basically. With a toe tag on in the cooler. And he sat up spoke no brain damage no more than he already had Andrew said and he's serving in their ministry today amen. so I'm just telling you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. do not despise prophecies amen 1 Thessalonians 5 20 and 21 says do not despise prophecies test everything yeah you should test it and hold on to what is good so just remember that. Romans 8, 14. Here's your scripture for the day. Those who are led or guided, to be led is to be guided, huh? Who's your guide? The Holy Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Hallelujah. Romans 8. The next few verses. That was Romans 8, 14, beginning the 15th verse. And this is the King James Version. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. So the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit, little less. That we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Amen. Now that suffering that he's talking about. It's interesting, May and I just had a conversation about this. God's not putting the suffering on you. You're suffering for his name's sake. You're suffering because the world hates him. If the world hates you, it's because it hated him first. Mm -hmm. You will suffer persecution 
for living as a Christian. Yes. For being redeemed. Because the devil is in charge of this world yes. for a time. But never mistake. Don't ever blame God for the things that the devil is doing. He gets a bad rap. Jesus made it clear in John 10, 10. He said, no, 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 no. the devil, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly to the full. Amen. He's not a life taker. He's a life giver. Hallelujah. You see, many people in the body of Christ, now listen to this because this is important. Many people are waiting on the spectacular. And we're a spirit-filled church. We, you may see spectacular things here. But too many times people are looking for the spectacular and while they are, they're missing the supernatural yeah. every day yeah. by not being led by the Spirit of God, not being led by their inner witness, mm -hmm. by the Holy Spirit. See, He is supernatural. Mm -hmm. Norma's sitting right there today. She told me a while ago, if you hadn't prayed for me right there at the car, I would have never got out of there. That's supernatural, folks. Amen. You see? God is faithful. He has even more. He has even better for God. Hallelujah. Amen. He got her up and got her in this church. Should have seen her. She was in terrible shape. She's suffering. She's Pray for normal. God's going to heal that back. He's already done it. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm trying to decide on something. Proverbs 20, verse 27 says, The spirit of man is the candle or the lamp of the Lord. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inner parts of the belly. See, that's where your spirit is. The real you. The real you. So this is saying that God doesn't guide you by your natural senses. So important. He doesn't guide you by your mind, by your soul, he doesn't guide you by your body. He guides you by your spirit. John 4, 24, Jesus talking to the woman at the well, remember? He said, God is a spirit, he told her. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We are spirit beings like God. And that's how we hear from him. That's how we relate to him. And everything that he's given us is in our spirit. And we draw it out into the natural realm where we can use it. 
by believing, confessing the word, confessing his promises, praying in the spirit. When what a great life and adventure it has been and it is um, to be a child of God and to be led by the Holy Spirit and so it's really it's really a passion of mine and a just great desire for me between me and God to be able to help the body of Christ to understand it better you know and I'm still growing in it myself you see so but that's my plea because I know that's where see because in the beginning of this ministry 15 years ago I was like uh uh, uh no <laughs> but he showed me that he really could use and needed to use somebody like me and the end times bride was going to be walking in power and victory and love and adorned with all the gifts of the spirit and it was going to be necessary for them in other words things aren't going to get better although I am not like the ten spies I'm like Joshua and Caleb there is a third great awakening coming to this nation the hearts of young people are turning toward God by the, by the hundreds of thousands all over the world it's going to be wonderful. They're coming out of a false narrative of wokeness from the devil and being awakened unto the truth of God Almighty. And it's a beautiful thing. You just don't hear about it on the news, but it's happening in a big way. We're in the beginning phases of the third great awakening. And it's beautiful. I've prayed for people just to kind of give you a few examples and then we'll stop there. But I've I prayed for people by praying in the spirit. Yes, that means praying in tongues. <laughs> I remember when I heard that, I was like, oh, I ain't doing that. That's not God. They said, okay. <laughs> but now I can speak almost every language in the world. I never know which language I'm going to be speaking, but I've heard a lot of languages that I recognize as foreign languages and others that are just the languages of God, of the angels. And so, but I prayed for my wife and I discovered one day that I was praying for a group of French priests over in, uh, you know, in France. They had put out a worldwide message to please pray for a certain situation, and I had been praying for that. And we, the Lord showed us that in the way that he has in doing that. But by the Spirit, my wife and I have both been told the same thing from God simultaneously. You know, that's fun. That's really cool. I'm just trying to show you some different ways and different cool things. One time I, I, I walked into, uh, we had some ministers that were in our lives and they needed a place to live. And we had a house and um, that we had several houses around town at the time and I and I remember the Lord told me that uh, just to make this house available to them and I walked in the room and I said hey the, the Lord just told me something and she went house 
and she named their names and I said, yes. Hey, God is good. Because you know, something like that doesn't go well if you're not in agreement as husband and wife. So God, and God loves marriage. So <laughs> one time I had a dream and I know, you know, if you've heard or read my book, but I, I, I had a dream and God showed me that all these car titles that we had from a old business that we gotten out of to just sign them and give them all the way for people that hadn't paid for their cars for Christmas. And when I told my wife the dream and how God had showed me and she, she was all for it. God put that in her heart, you know. The uh, I prayed for a man the other day. I'm just trying to finish. I'm just trying to give you guys some encouragement to to seek this kind of a life because it's it's important that you do to get to know the Holy Spirit, your inner witness, and to listen and be led by that. And it takes some practice. I prayed for a man the other day. He had no job. And I had an appointment with him a few days later. And I, I said, well, he says, does it matter that I'm unemployed right now? And he wanted to buy something that was very expensive. I said, well, it doesn't matter to me. I'll believe with you. He said, what would you say? I said, I'll pray for you right now. He said, thank you. And the day I walked up to the appointment, I asked him how things were going. He said, I started my own business today. Everything is wonderful. Everything fell into place. I was praying recently. There was a guy that painted our house 10 years ago. Wow, I need to do that again. Uh, and his wife, she is, uh, she's been unemployed for a long time, and she just hit me up. She always sent me nice little greetings uh, on Facebook, Messenger thing or whatever. I usually don't respond to things like that. I just, you know, but she sent me a request to pray for her because she looked for a job, and things were really bad. And she wanted a, a job as a Spanish teacher, and I just I got any darkness. I told her, I'm going to pray for you. Well, then the next message was she was trying to decide which, which job to take. This was just a few weeks ago. <laughs> She'd been given multiple offers. One was in the school district, and they were going to give her a lot more money than the one at the the uh, Catholic school, the but they, she wouldn't be able to share her faith at the one for the school district, and I, she asked me what she I, she she should do. I said I can't tell you. Ask God. He knows. I knew what I would wanted her to do, but again, who cares? 
I was going to tell her to take the godly job where she could talk about Jesus, but I didn't want to share that with her because what if God had one kid at that other school that he wanted her to reach somehow? I don't know those things. So she said, I'm going to pray about it. And then she did. She said, I took the one for less money because I want to be able to share my faith. And I was very happy for it. She seems very happy and their family's blessed now and, and they don't have to worry about making ends meet. Amen. See, this is supernatural stuff. It's not spectacular, but it's supernatural. I've prayed for thousands of people. I've seen people healed instantaneously, jump up off of a, a hurt knee and say, oh my God, I'm healed. I haven't been able to do this in years. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's really cool, man. That's how much God loves you. And I've prayed for others that were just so many just instantaneously. I mean, just gradually. <laughs> And see, so many times, by the time they're healed, they don't even think to give God the credit. It was still God that healed them. Most healings are gradual. <clears throat> Nevertheless, John 7, verse 37 through 39, Jesus stood up. He said, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And we all know that the Holy Spirit did come on the day of Pentecost, the 50th day after Jesus' resurrection. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, Paul says, When I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my understanding or my soul is unfruitful. So you're not praying out of your head. You're not praying out of your understanding or your knowledge or your soul or your body. It's your spirit that prays. And your spirit, your born again spirit, is in perfect agreement with God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. So when you're praying in the spirit, you're praying the perfect will of God, the mysteries of God, the wisdom of God, giving God glory and praises. You're praying for others. Some you may not know. Some you do. A lot of it's for yourself. You're building yourself up in faith and in love. and in your, It says in love and in your most holy faith. But you're not praying with your mind. You're not praying with your understanding. We need the Holy Spirit, folks. Have I made that? <laughs> we, need, we need Him in our lives in a big way. Why? It was Jesus' desire to go home so that He could send Him back. For starters, so we know that it's a good thing. Because Jesus could only be with one person at a time or one group at a time, you see. Now we can have God with us all the time. Amen. So all the grace, all the power, all the provision, all the authority, all the strength to be and to do all that he's 
called you for is in his care. The Holy Spirit, he's the steward of everything, all the grace of God that Jesus earned through the cross of Calvary. He needs you. There's a sick and dying world, and he needs you. Not everybody has a pulpit ministry, but you have a ministry. You can preach the word. You can preach your testimony. It's the power of God to save souls. You can lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. He will give you all the power to live a successful, blessed, healthy, prosperous life by grace through faith. And to do this, God has given you his precious Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, and you need him. Amen. I can't tell you how much time and effort and strength living a life after the Spirit has saved me and I'll, I'll finish but sometimes I don't call people you know sometimes I don't respond to certain things or requests or whatever it's not because I don't want to or because I don't love. I can't even really explain. And then other times I have a sense of urgency to respond to something that's not even, that I haven't even heard from that person that day. I'll give you an example from somebody else. Smith Wigglesworth was a great man of God in the last century in England, right? He saw lots of people raised from the dead, lots of wonderful miracles, signs, wonders, preached the word powerfully. God didn't really even start to use him mightily until he was my age, 58. So I have hope. <laughs> but he was asked, they would send letters to him. You know, he get a lot of letters to go pray for people and by back then you had to take the train and all sorts of things like that. So they had been asking him to come and pray for a man for months. This man had worked in the tin mines and had developed tuberculosis. He was a, a minister. He just tucked it away and didn't think much of it until he did, months later. And so he penned a letter, said, I'll be there on this date and this time. And he showed up at that house that day. When they opened the door, the people said, well, you should have come months ago. It's too late now. He's too far gone. He said, no, it's not, or the Lord wouldn't have sent me. Get out of the way. And he went in and prayed for the man and he was healed that day. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. God can save you a lot of wasted time. You see, another time Smith was 
was in the USA. He was ministering at a certain church for several weeks. And the pastor there had been asking him, will you go to this woman's house and pray for her? She's sick and bedridden. And she's been that way for a while. And Smith just, he heard him and just didn't go. <laughs> and the pastor was really kept after him because she was wealthy. Take from that what you want. So, one day, he, he decided to go. He said, okay, the Lord told him, go ahead and go pray for this woman. So he went on over there, and he walked into this big, beautiful mansion, and up the stairs and into this bedroom where she was lying on the big beautiful bed in this home. And she said, she started telling him off for not having come sooner. Just complaining and telling him what a low down, no good he was, making her wait all this time. And he just stood there and listened to her, heard her out, and then he said, are you finished? And he said, I see you're not ready for me yet. And he turned around and walked out the door and closed it behind him. <laughs> Two days later, you see, Smith had a habit of telling people in his services, the first one down here to the altar is going to be healed. And that's how he'd start the service off. But anyway, two days later, she showed up at the church, and she was the first one down there <laughs> to the altar when he began the service, and she was instantly healed. See, she was ready then. <laughs> All right, folks, I'm going to let you go now, and we'll just start up where we finished off today. We never finish. We just stop and start again. I love you all and thank you for being here today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word. Thank you that it means something to us. Thank you that we will value this word as being from you. And we will talk to you about it. We will meditate on it. We will make it our own and we will seek you out about these things. If we have questions or there are things we don't understand, we'll ask you about them. We just thank you, Lord, that you love us so much and that you've provided so perfectly. Help us not to miss out on the provision that you've made for us, Lord, because we don't understand it or haven't pursued it. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for giving us your son, Jesus, and we thank you for writing our names in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we thank you for sending us your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah.